Recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Robert Johnson of Let's Run.com here with Jonathan Galt. We're live from the parking lot in Terra Hut, Indiana. We're not not Terra Hut, Indiana. Terra Hut, Indiana. It's Terra Hut because Pizza Hut is now sponsoring the NCAA, and Terra Hut has sold out to support them and uh, change the name. I'm all for it, John, if we get free pizza after it's all said and done. Yeah, yeah, you know, they say don't let, uh, you know, advertising or outside interests compromise your journalistic integrity, but, you know, I've never been one to turn down free pizza, so if they have that in the media, so then we have to write Tara Hutt in our bylines for one day, or, or datelines for one day, I mean, whatever. Yep, and this broadcast podcast is being brought to you live, we're not going to charge you any recurring fees or anything like that, I'm very excited for the NCAA championships, folks. Lots of people on the message board are already asking one question, John. What's the weather like? When we were here, you know, yesterday, actually we were here 24 hours ago for a run yesterday morning, right at this time, 10 a.m., what was the weather like? Well, the only thing that was the same was the wind, and even that has changed a little bit in the direction because yesterday it was blowing directly into the runners' faces uh, as we look start line going out towards the finish line. Today that wind has shifted a little bit. It's coming from the right of the finish line, uh, so it's a bit of a crosswind, which actually helps the runners because there's only a very small portion of the course where you're actually going to be running directly into the wind. Uh, but, you know, it's still going to be coming from the side. You're still going to feel it. But the other thing, you know, yesterday it was 70 degrees, sunny, beautiful when I ran. I actually was worried I was going to get sunburned. I think I probably did get a little sunburned because I'm rather pale. But today, uh, very cloudy, and it's, you know, high 30s. But with that wind, it feels like it's in the 20s. So, uh you know, it's, it's definitely different from yesterday, but the good news is the course filled up pretty well from the rain that came yesterday late afternoon. We were working in the media center, and um, suddenly, out of nowhere, there was just this biblical storm. It was, you know, it was dark immediately. Like, it had gone from, uh, you know, I turned to my computer for the press conference, and when we got out, it was just dark. It was pouring rain. rain uh, the wind was coming sideways. It was just horrible conditions. There was lightning, there was thunder. We even lost power briefly in the media center. So, you know, if they run that, there's no way we'd be running the race right now if that weather was still here. But luckily that only lasted about, uh, you know, an hour or so. And all the wind this morning, I think that moisture has cleared up. Um, the course, you know, it's not quite as firm as it was the last couple of days. So that's saying, that's not really saying much because the course of the last couple of days when we ran it has been pretty much the best it's ever been this time of year. So yeah. right now it's pretty good for running. Right. I mean, when we got here on Thursday, the course looked like a golf course, very firm, perfect condition, no bald spots. Um, with that storm, we were wondering, you know, how wet it would be. We, we, we did, we're doing this podcast live from the parking lot. Before we got on, we did jog out, you know, maybe a half mile on the course, ran into some people who had run the whole course. They said, hey, it's not wet really. Um, a few guys thought that maybe by the time at the end, the second loop on the guys' race, it might be slippery in a few spots. But, you know, I really think it's just going to be cold and windy, um, but not too big of a factor. And I think that the crosswind is really the big thing instead of the headwind because, you know, I think it was two years ago in the men's race, it was so windy. It was just a huge pack of people. It's still at 8K. I think with the talent in the men's race, it'll break open before that. But before we get to the men, John, why don't we start with the women? They're going first. Um, uh, I think that we might as well start with them. Plus, the men's race, I think, is a little full of a little bit more intrigue with Edward Cheswick going for history, the fourth straight NCAA title. And the men's team race, that's the thing I'm most excited about. 
today. It is wide open. I don't know if we've ever had it with four, five, six teams legitimate chances when we beat the NCAA titles. But on the women's side, clear-cut favorite, Colorado Buffaloes. Is there any way that Mark Wetmore's team is not going to win this title? I, I really don't see it. And it's because Colorado, you know, their second last year, and you know, I, I left that meet thinking, okay, well, New Mexico, if they get back some of these women, they're going to be very good again. But Colorado, you know, I, I just looked at their roster and I thought, man, they're, they're going to be hard to beat. They're re- returning pretty much everyone. And that's been the case. New Mexico did lose uh, Rhoda Auckland, who was an All-American from them last year. They graduated Courtney Frerichs, and then a big transfer at Nicoga wasn't released by Liberty. So New Mexico, they're a good team. They've still got Alice Wright and Callie Zachary. Alice Wright's a contender for the individual crown, but uh, they just don't have the depth. This Colorado, What's so crazy about this Colorado women's team is they do have a couple good front runners. Erin Finn was second at pre-nats. She's, uh, she's second at the Pac-12 meet as well. She's very, very good. Caitlin Benner was uh, in the top 20 last year at NCAAs. But they have, I think, pretty much from three through about eight or nine, it, it really could change depending on the day. You know, you, you look at their results, and we don't even know who they're going to run out here today. Coach Mark Wetmore said he had three girls on the roster who, you know, hadn't run NCAAs in Terre Haute, and we were trying to figure it out because there's just he has so many options. He's got the transfer from Montana, McKenna Morley. He's got a couple of uh, freshmen in Tava Shaw and Sage Herter. He's got Danny Jones, who was a 413, 1,500-meter um, runner, and she was in the 4Ds last year in NCAAs in cross country. You know, you just look up and down the roster. It's so deep and so talented that I think even if one or even two of their runners have an off day, they're going to have people picking up the slack. And that's why I just, you know, you look at the top contenders, Washington or Colorado, you know, smoke them at the Pac-12 meet. Uh, and, you know, NC State, I just don't think that NC State's consistent enough. They have, you know, they have a lot of talent in that roster, but it's, it's been up and down. Uh, I, I just think Colorado, it's, it's very, very hard to see this team losing today. And you're not the only one that thinks that. If you haven't joined the Let's Run.com Running Warehouse Prediction Contest, you still got oh, about 45 minutes to get your picks in. I have not had time to enter myself, but if you look at that, um, over 90% of the people, it's like 271 of about 300 entries so far, have picked the Colorado women to win the title. Um, you know, Mark Wetmore, one of the things that struck me is people, someone asked him yesterday at the press conference, why is this your best team ever? Because he said earlier in the year he thought it had the chance, you know, to be his best women's team ever. And obviously they haven't won a title yet, so you can't call it the best ever. But where he thought this team was stronger than the, than the teams in the past was at number five, six, and seven. Those options, it gives you so much. If you're really strong at five, six, and seven, you've got to feel so much more confident as a coach because if you're only really five deep, if one of those five runners has a really bad day, you're going to finish second or third. But when you've got depth at six and seven, it's just, you know, it's just so much more, you know, more reassuring, I think, um, to be in that spot. If you're just joining us, we're doing a live special edition of Let's Run.com's Track Talk. We're at Terre Haute, Indiana. Its name has been changed to Terre Haute, Indiana, on our pizza today. Um, and we're, we can see the course. We can see the finish line. And you can call in if you want to be a part of the show. Call 724-444-7444. Use caller ID 72655 on TalkShoe. Or you can post in the chat box if you have a question. Or what we always recommend and prefer, post on the message board. We do have internet access, so we can see some of the questions if you want the things you want us to talk about. But it's windy, but it's not wet. 
courses. Uh, I actually think it's more of a cross-country. I mean, it was in too perfect condition yesterday. We're not, we don't want to have an NCAA cross-country title decided in 70-degree weather. So um, definitely feels like cross-country. We've seen a nice setup from the Syracuse team. I mean, yesterday, last year, their first title in, what, 50-something years, but they had a huge, whole crew of alumni out there, a huge, nice spread. And today, they've got the best spread we've seen so far. Big RV out there, banners. And, Robert, you know, I just want to say, could this be an omen? Because I remember the last time we were out here in Terre Haute in 2014, you know who had the best tailgate spread, the best setup? Michigan State. Michigan State women won the team title. Last year, Syracuse men had the best setup. Syracuse men win the team title. This year, Syracuse men again representing. So, uh, you know, obviously they don't really correlate at all, but I think if you're looking for a trend and you're one of those people who likes uh, superstition, maybe think about that. So, John, I think you and I are in agreement. Colorado women, they're going to run away with this. So who gets second, though? Um, you know, someone's got to be the runner-up. And a lot of the coaches, I mean, you heard them yesterday. It's not like other sports where if you don't win the national title, you know, if you're in the Final Four in the football, if you don't win first, it's failure. A lot of these coaches are like, well, if we're on the podium, it was a good season. One thing that drives me, I hit me yesterday, why in the hell is the podium four teams? Our sport is about three teams. So unless we're going to hand out a fourth medal at the Olympics, we should only have three teams on the podium, but I'll, I'll hold off on that rant, but who do you think is the best, most likely candidate to finish second? Um, because, you know, the teams, there was some interesting stats you had about who ends up on the podium. You know, I'm sure there's some fans on here, a 10th ranked team, 12th ranked team that thinks they're going to end up on the podium. That's not really likely to happen. So, who do you think is going to be the team walking away finishing second? Yeah, that's a good question. You pointed out those stats. There's a great piece by Jesse Squire of the Daily Relay. Uh, he ran the numbers about, you know, since the NCAA uh, started using the USFT, USTF CCCCA coaches polls. Um, so for men, that's from 1997 onwards. For women, it's 1995 onwards. Uh, that's how far we have the archives for Uh in terms of podium teams, 90% of the podium teams across both genders are ranked in the top eight going into the meet. It's just, it's very hard unless you're, uh, you know, one of the teams that's been running a well all season. It's very hard to leap from outside that top eight to the podium. So, you know, if you look at some of the teams I wrote about in our preview, I think that uh, Washington, I mean, they won the Wisconsin invite. They had uh, all seven runners, I believe, in the top 50 in that race, which is, you know, just that's fantastic depth. And we talked about how depth is so important. Um, you know, that, so Washington's definitely a team to watch for, though they did get smoked by Colorado at the Pac-12 meet, and they actually lost their regional to Stanford. Um, you know, it depends how much stock you want to put in the regionals, but they have a very good front runner in Amy Eloise Neal. She was the Pac-12 champion. She was the West region champion. They've got Charlotte Krause, who was also fifth at Wisconsin. So, you know, generally – Another trend I've noticed through the years, and I wrote about this in our preview, is uh, you know you, you really need two, two women or you know two men in the top 20 to really be contending for that team title. And you know even if they may not be Colorado, two people in the top 20 that really puts you on a good road to the podium. So I think Washington's definitely a team to watch. Uh, NC State, they, uh, they they you know they have a very high ceiling. I'd say their ceiling might be second only to Colorado's, and you know they. The coach they talked about, the Frazier sisters, Wesley and Ryan, those two are really going to be pretty important for them because Wesley Frazier, she's run 901 for uh, 
3,000 meters, which if you look at everyone in the field, I think the best 3,000-meter PR in the field is Aaron Finn and Rachel Shulis at 9.01, and Frieda's only about a tenth of a second behind them. So uh, if she can run up to her potential, and if her sister Ryan Frazier can, you know, can give us something, and then you've got a very good front runner here, Erica Kemp, you know, NC State, they're definitely a team to watch. I mean, with Wesley, the, the thing that's nice about her, and Lori Hens said this yesterday, is she's been getting better every race. She came in a little under training. They held her out of regionals to get an extra week of training. You know, last year it was just the opposite. She was dominating the, early in the season. That was Ryan Frazier. Oh, right. Wesley Frazier didn't run for them last year. Well, you know, hey, we got one sister heading in the right direction. So, that's right. you know, you want to be coming on at, at the right, you know, at, at the right time. And I think that, you know, one of the things that, that struck me at the women's press conference is, of the, of the top individuals, they're all talking about how, you know, they're feeling healthy. And, you know, there's been a lot of injuries on the women's side in, in recent past, but the big players are sort of all, all, all doing well. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest player you've got there is Erin Finn, and she is someone who has been injured. Um, you know, she had a stress fracture in June that ruled her out in the Olympic trials. And she was, you know, she, she was sort of a, a dark horse to make that Olympic team. She ran 31:51 on the track, which would have been the – Sixth fastest time in NCAA history, but she, you know, had she been running for Michigan, she was competing unattached because she had focused on the Olympic trials. But to me, like she, she's the big story individually for the women. Today is her 22nd birthday. Uh, it's her final cross country race for Michigan. She's back home in the Midwest. She's a Michigan native, and she's really been dominating. She mentioned that you know she's not someone who likes to hold back and work out. She's someone who likes to you know hammer. She's someone who likes to run from the front usually. And the first half of the season, you know, about first month of, you know, in September, her coach, Mike McGuire, was having to hold her back and saying, you know, you're not totally ready yet because she was still coming back from that injury. She didn't start running again until the second half of August. So they were trying to temper expectation. But then she went to Roy Griak and she got beat by Brenna Pelliquin. And that was really a turning point. Erin Finn, you know, she said yesterday she does not like losing. So, after that race, she begged the coaches, hey, you know, I lost. Can I go out there? Can I start hammering, get back to the old Eric fan again? And that is exactly what she's done. She's been running the best she ever has. She crushed the field at pre-nats on this course. Um, that was the fastest time ever by a woman at pre-nats on the Terre Haute course. Um, so that's pretty impressive. I believe 1944 was her time. Uh, and then she's continued to crush people at Big Tens. She won the Great Lakes Regional by eight seconds over Aurora of Notre Dame, who is a national title contender herself. I just think Aaron Finn, you know, they're all they're all pretty small, uh, the women's contenders. So I think that apart from I think Amy Ellis Neal's maybe a little taller, but most of the top women are pretty small, petite women. So the wind, I think it's it's going to be a factor. It's going to you know it's going to be hard for all of them. So I don't know if anyone necessarily has an advantage there, but. Finn, I, I just think she's tough. She's as fit as she's ever been, and uh, you know, it's her birthday. I just feel like everything's coming together. This this is a race I think Erin Finn will win. I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that front. I mean, she's been, I mean, she's just so good. Like, why wouldn't she win? I, I just don't think that the other women are quite at her level. Um, you know, and, and when she was talking about the weather, it was like bring it on. She wanted Midwest wind. She wanted a day like today. She didn't want. She wanted it tougher. She's so she seemed very confident, folks focused and locked in. Um, looks like people in the chat box. Some people are having trouble listening. I'm not sure if you have to call in. I don't think you do. If someone could post in the chat box how to listen, I don't see the uh, listen now button. But you can call in seven two four 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 seven four four four. 
Caller ID 72655 and listen in that way. Um, I think there also is some sort of badge you can find. Um, it's kind of hard to do it when we're in the parking lot find that. Um, someone posted in the forum maybe a link to the actual player that is listening to people. But you're joining us live. You're just joining us now. We are live from Terre Haute, Indiana. We are just meters from the finish line, maybe 50 meters, John. And it is exciting. as a buzz. The crowd is filling up. People, you know, I, we've seen a lot of people with Syracuse um, flags. Uh, I'm sure Michigan flags will be showing up. Yeah, Mont Wetmore, actually, it was funny. He mentioned in the press conference yesterday, uh, one of the things he really enjoyed about the NCAA Cross Country Championship is seeing shirtless Michigan fans. And uh, I remember seeing, you know, a few years ago, Michigan State had a bunch of shirtless people uh, dressed up when they won. So that, that is great. And if you're shirtless in this weather, I really applaud you because it is not going to be fun, uh, even if you're running around for an hour or so. Uh, so it'll be, interesting, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how bundled up the runners are as well. I would expect some arm sleeves, maybe some winter hats, definitely a lot of gloves out there. Um. But just, you know, sort of wrapping up the talk about the women. And the Let's Run predict, Running Warehouse Prediction Contest, Colorado came in at number one, NC State two, Providence three, Stanford four, Washington five. But the interesting thing is, I mean, Colorado has 271 first-place votes. All those teams, NC State, Providence, Stanford, Washington three. So basically any of those teams, you know, I really think, you know, there, there's five teams that want to be on the podium. There's only four spots. But any of those teams could finish second. Any of those teams could finish off the podium. Then you've got Michigan at six, New Mexico at seven, Arkansas at eight, Oregon at nine, and Penn State at ten. You know, Penn State with Tessa Barrett, former Foot Locker champ. Now that the Foot Locker champ, you know, curse has been broken, and it seems like all the Foot Locker champs are running well. So it'll definitely be, um, you know, interesting to see, uh, you know, who finishes in, on the top four on the women's side and then who finishes, you know, on the podium because, you know, the other stat that, that Jesse Squire had is if you want to finish top 10, 90% of the teams finishing top 10 have been ranked in the top 13 coming in. Yes. So that's amazing. You know, there's all, you know I'm sure there's a lot of fans of, of the 20th ranked team right now, 15th ranked team. You know, we, we want to be top 10. I hate to break it to you. History says very unlikely to happen. Only one team not ranked in the top 13 is likely to finish up there. And then if you're looking down, let's count down the top 10. From individual picks from the prediction contest, Annie Bothma, the freshman from Coastal Carolina, although she, apparently she's 21 years of old, but barefoot runner. It's going to be fun to see her out there. Yeah. She's picked 10th. Barrett is picked 9th. Carissa Schweizer of Missouri, I think she was the uh, Big 12 champ. SEC champ. I mean, SEC, uh, Missouri, yes. I knew she won her conference. I, I still think of Missouri is in the Big 12. Um, Eleanor Curry of New Hampshire. She's never run at NCAAs in cross-country before. I was a little surprised they had her up as one of the invited athletes yesterday, but she is a Northeast champ. Aaron Clark of Colorado is predicted by the Let's Run Nation to finish sixth. Brenna Pelican of Boise State on fire early in the season is now the fifth pick. Amy Louise Neal fourth. Alice Wright, New Mexico third. Anna Rohr second um, of Notre Dame. And then Aaron Fan first. I'd say, you know, that sounds about right. I think – you know, when I wrote in our preview, I think Finn, Rohr, and Wright, those are really the three that I think have a chance to win. Rohr and Wright have uh, – each of them has beaten the other once this year, and then Finn has also beaten uh, Anna Rohr at regionals. But, you know, Alex Wright is a top returner from last year in fifth, uh, and Anna Rohr is the second returner from sixth place from 2015. So and both of them have even been running even better this year. So uh, I definitely – I think those three – 
along with Aaron Finn, will probably be your top three. But, uh, you know, anything can happen. Someone can come out of the woodwork and have a big race. Uh, You never quite know at NCAA cross country. Um, So, John, I think maybe it's time to turn to the men. Can someone please post in the chat box if they can hear us? And people are complaining they still can't hear the sound. Um, We should be live. Looks like everything's still going on here. Uh, 724 Four 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 seven four four four. If you're just joining us, enter caller ID seven two six five five. I hope that people can hear us, John. And if not, we'll be. <laughs> but I, I don't see the entry anyway. Um, we're live from Terre Haute. We'll assume that you can hear us. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty funny if we were just talking to ourselves for the last half an hour. But whatever. Well, people could definitely hear us earlier. Well, let, let's let's look forward to the men. I think, uh, you know, I guess we'll start individually because that's sort of the less dramatic one. We'll build up to the most interesting storyline, which is the men's team race. But individually, you know, there's really not much to say. Edward Cheserek has won the last three of these meets. Well, there's a lot to say, John. I mean, he could be the first man ever to win four, four men at the Division One level. I think Nicholas, somebody, won the D2 four times. Yeah. At the D1 level, to win four NCAA cross-country titles, he's never lost an NCAA cross-country race. By the way, though, if he does win this record fourth, he will not be the only person to finish his career undefeated in NCAA cross country because Jerry Lindgren won three NCAA cross titles back when freshmen could not compete. Right. But, you know, that's history. He's going for history. Um, there's not a lot to say other than the fact that he's the heavy, heavy favorite. But, well, no, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible what he's accomplished because NCAA cross country, you look through the history, uh, there are a lot of athletes who've come in as a favorite and – Something has gone wrong. Henry Rono, I believe, took a wrong turn on the course, or he fell or something. He wound up, I think, in the 200s, and that's why he didn't win four titles. Uh, Jenny Simpson, she never even won this race. She's a, you know Olympic medalist, a world champion. She came in her senior year as the heavy favorite and wound up having a meltdown. I mean, there are just so many athletes. Galen Rupp didn't win until he was a senior, and he's you know now in the running for greatest American runner ever. You just look at all of these people. It only takes one thing to go wrong, and you have to be in peak fitness. You have to be healthy on the day to make sure that you come through and win this race. That's hard to do once. Edward Cheserek's already done it three times and looking to do it fourth. So to just to be to even be on your game and to be ready enough to contend for a title four times in NCAA is impressive. To win it would just be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I, I think that there's no, I mean, they, they run the race for a reason. I mean, he's how you beat him, it's like beating Mo Fair. That's the way I, I would compare it in, in track and field. And then you don't, you really don't. I mean, I thought one of the best parts of the press conference yesterday, and we talked about this in the article on the front page if you haven't read it, but it's like, how do you beat him? And Morgan McDonald, the Aussie from um, for Wisconsin, said, you know, really, the best strategy to beat someone is just to be better than them. <laughs> you know, It's not like you come out with a secret strategy and a – you know, 1320 guy beats a 13 flat guy because he had a secret strategy. I mean, he generally the most fit guy wins. Um, but you know, that being said, Patrick Tiernan is an incredible runner. He's an Olympian. He's run 1320 for 5,000 meters. Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing is he started the season late because of the Olympics. But when you asked him, John, and great question, kudos on that. You said, "Hey, how does your competitiveness?" fitness compare this year to last he said i'm in the best shape of my life and he said he's really focused on trying to you know he he stuck with cheswick for for 8k last year and then got dropped 
and he's really been working on having that strength for the last two. I mean, the crazy stat is, you know, Chudrick won by like over 20 seconds, and then Chudrick was up by more than 20 seconds to everyone else. I mean, someone like Justin Knight of Syracuse, who is the other person that people are, are speculating, you know, if, if Chudrick doesn't win, I think almost everyone's saying it's got to be Chudrick or Knight. I mean, who else could it be? Yeah, no, I really think it's those two. You know, you say maybe Grant Fisher of uh, Stanford, who's been having a good season. Maybe uh, Jacob Choge, whose brother, Augustine Choge, was the world indoor bronze medalist at 3,000 meters. You say, well, you know, we don't really know that much about him. He won uh, the South region. He, you know, he's just got – he's such an unknown that you would say, well, his upside is just so high. You, you don't really know exactly who he's capable of. But I, I think Tannen and Knight are really the two guys – uh, other than Chesarek, who could win it. And, you know, I've watched Justin Knight run this year. I went to, you know, I, I went to see him run a workout earlier this year. I've, I've seen Knight, and every race he just doesn't look like he's tired. You know, the end of that Wisconsin Invitational, when he started, you know, kicking that home straight, he looked like he was running a 400-meter repeat or 200 at the end of practice. He did not look like he was running the final uh, meters of a 8,000 meter cross country race against some of the best runners in the country, you know, and that you know I talked to one of their coaches. He, he was raving about just his workouts and how how he's been looking in practice. And yeah, you know, I I look at him and I know that Ch- Chesarek has to be the favorite. He just has to be with how well he's been running. But Justin Knight, many other years, this is a guy who would be saying he's very very good. And uh, you know I, I think he's really improved. Looked like he improved his closing speed. Um, it, he's stronger. You know, he's bumped his mileage up. He's kept, this is a kid who's only running 35 miles per week as a freshman in college. He's now up to 60 miles a week. He, uh, he's just an incredible talent. And I think, you know, I, I think Cesarek has to be the favorite. But I look at it and it's like, well, would I be that surprised? I don't know. I think there's a yeah. chance. There's always a chance. I mean, the interesting thing was, you know, when Cesarek was a freshman, he was just running to get top 10 and help that Oregon team out. Kennedy Kathuka was viewed as unbeatable. But the year before that, Mario Lang was viewed as unbeatable, and Kennedy Kathuka beat him, I think, in Louisville. And then, you know, here, Kathuka broke the field, and then Cheserick started to creep back, creep back. And then all of a sudden, I remember being like, oh, my God, Kathuka's losing. So, you know, the thing with Cheserick, though, is how he's been destroying everybody so effortlessly. But the thing about Knight is, yeah, John, he's way better than last year, but he better be. He was 63 seconds back. I mean, he was more than a minute back, 10 seconds of freaking miles. So has he improved that much? And the scary thing is Cheswick says he's in, you know, at least in September he says he's in the best shape of his life. Now, the crazy thing about you know, Cheswick is, you know, when he was a freshman, you know, and Andy Powell said this, he was out of shape, 10 to 12 pounds overweight from what he is now. Yeah. So, I mean, this, that's a guy so talented that from the span of September to November, he, as a freshman, he was able to get in shape and win an NCAA title. Three years later, last year as well, he said in September 20, he was in very good shape. He comes out and he crushes everyone in NCAA's. You know, this kid, outrageously talented. You know, and even more so than Justin Knight at this point. You know, uh, so and the other thing about Knight is he's got some demons to vanquish on this course. <laughs> Two years ago, as a freshman, 143rd place, not good. So, you know, I, I would. It's weird, you know. Normally, I, I root for dynasties. I love Mike Tyson. It would be to me. It's like when you see Mo Farah win every single time, and Edward Cheswick win every single time. It gets a little old. I would love to see an upset. Of course, I would also love to see the greatness of the four for four. So it's going to be exciting. Um, of the two, Cheswick and Knight. I mean, excuse me, Tiernan and Knight. 
I've got – who do you think is most likely to take this to upset Chojo? You know, you look at last year's race and you just say, how the hell is – if Tin is in better shape, how the hell is Justin Knight going to make up all that much ground? But I just think the way Knight's been running and that he's so much better than he was last year, I really think Knight's the best guy. The way I see it happening is – it's basically similar to what happened at Wisconsin. He, except, you know, maybe uh, the way Knight won Wisconsin by kicking late. I think if he can just hang with Cheserek when Cheserek makes that move, and so far no one's been able to do that since uh, I think probably since Lobby Lang, you know, on the track is when Cheserek is a freshman. But if he can hang with him when Cheserek makes that move, whether it's 2K to go, 3K to go, whatever. And if he can just sit and he's still there coming into that home straight, you know, Cheserek's kick's magnificent, but if, if Knight's still there, he can, you know, he's right there coming into the home straight, he's got a chance. Whereas Tiernan, you know, I don't know that Tiernan's got the kick, and Tiernan really, he gave Cheserek his best shot. He tried very hard. He dropped everyone else, and he still lost by 25 seconds. He put, Cheserek put 25 seconds on him over the final two kilometers. I don't know. I just think Knight. Well, I think part of that was, was cruising in. I would agree with you. I mean, in the sense of Knight is so under-trained that you can think, like, you know, okay, he's running more. He's – why would he would improve a lot more than Tiernan, who's probably at a higher level of – although Tiernan was a lot closer. But the one thing that I think that is, makes Tiernan a little – I still think Knight is most likely to do it. But the one thing that Tiernan's got is he doesn't have a team thing to worry about. He can go out here and just go as hard as he can until he passes out, and it doesn't matter. He, he, it doesn't matter if he blows up, passes out, doesn't finish the race. DNF, the Villanova men's team is not here. Knight, he's got the team riding on him. Right. Now, uh, you know, they say, and they all say, Cheswick, too, we want to do the best as we can for our team. Well, the best you can do for your team is to score one, not two, although it doesn't make that big of a difference. But, I, you know, one of the questions, and John, let's be honest, at these press conferences, they should just let you and I ask all the questions so there's good questions. One of the questions I asked of Knight, because people were asking all these fluff questions about to pull my hair out, was, hey, does Chris Fox trust you enough to let you go for this team title? You know, because Knight's an experienced runner. He's not a freshman anymore. He's a junior. He's not going to blow up and stagger home and not finish this race and cost them the team title. And he said, yes, Fox, Chris Fox trusts me that I know my body well enough. I can go after him, you know, not do anything stupid, mm-hmm. and give a shot. So, you know, the, the, but I do think the team, the fact that Tiernan doesn't have a team thing is, is, is an interesting thing worth noting. Well, I also think it's interesting. This is Patrick Tiernan's final NCAA race. He doesn't have track eligibility. Yeah. This is it. He's turning, you know, in about three hours, he'll be uh, a professional runner from that point onwards. So he's gonna, if anyone's going to go for broke, and maybe he doesn't go for broke because he pretty much did that last year and it, it backfired. But if anyone's going to do anything bold and if anyone has anything on, extra on the line, it's Tiernan because but, all these other guys will have another crack. We practice. need to give that guy – so much credit. I mean, for years, every race Mo Fair runs, people are so sick of just letting it come down to a kick. Mm-hmm. Who's going to take it out? Who's going to risk it all? Patrick Tiernan did what every Let's Run message board has died to see on the Diamond League circuit in the Olympics for 10 freaking years. And I don't think, you know, they ask you if it's windy tomorrow, are you going to let it, if it's going to go slow like two years ago? I don't think there's any chance in hell it's a pack at 8K like it was two years ago. If you're just joining us, we're live from Terra Hut, Indiana. They've sold their name today to Pizza Hut. Um, we're about 200 yards from the finish. This is the voice of the Ivy League, the Texan Hugh Grant, Robert Johnson of Let'sRun.com, along with the peevish Jonathan Galt here in the parking lot. Very excited. We're breaking it down for you. If you have questions, post them in the message board. We're going to be on for about 15 more minutes, and then we're going to get out and get in a good spot, take a few more photos. Um, 
you know, we're going to be tweeting from the course. You've got the live results. Um, the, you can see it. the nice thing is the tweets now can be embedded in the message board. Weldon Johnson will be helping with the message board coverage. And then come back, and we'll cover it all for you. If you want to be in on the show, I think you can call in 724-444-7444, caller ID 726 the good news is, John, Weldon Johnson has texted in. He can hear us, so we are on. Oh. We have not been talking to ourselves Screaming in a freaking in the void, thank goodness. car for the last uh, 40 minutes. Well, you know what, Robert? I, I still enjoy listening to you, uh, even if it was just us. Uh, and just been fun. to be with a broadcasting genius like myself. <laughs> and so modest as well. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like Rush Limbaugh says, I have to what's it, well, Let's not talk about that. Let's not bring politics into this. Uh, into this We're in Mike Pence country, folks. Anyways, um, but we've saved what you and I think is maybe the best for last. Yeah. The men's team title. Definitely the best. Wide open. I mean, number one NAU. They've never won. Eric Hines, the coach, this is it. He's leaving. He's leaving the profession to be with his family. Could you not have a more Disney-like ending if they win it? And I think that in some ways, I got a text from – by a former NCAA Northeast Regional Champion and NCAA All-American Bruce Hyde. He used to train in Flagstaff with us. And in some ways, he's like, I think everyone who's ever trained in Flagstaff would love to see NAU win it. So there's just that aspect of it. Then you've got defending champion Syracuse. They used to – what the hell? They won last year? No one expected that. You've got Colorado, who's always in the hunt. They lost four out of five people from last year, and yet everyone thought this would be a rebuilding year except for Mark Wetmore. He told us yesterday, hey, I thought – we were going to be better than everyone else thought. I thought we might be in the hunt, and they are in the hunt. Who else do we got, John? Oh, we got Arkansas, who has really a very good top four, and they've got a 28-30 guy, Andrew Rono, who's really rounding it to shape. You know, their dark horse pick for the title. And, uh, you know, you got Stanford. You mentioned Stanford, I think. Not yet. No, you got Stanford, and they've got Grant Fisher. They've got Sean McGordy. Uh, they've got 13-40 guys as, you know, their four or five runners. They've got 28-30 guys that their number five. I mean, they, they've just got so much depth. And they've got the true freshman, Thomas Ratcliffe, who really, you know, I think, not to put any pressure on the kid, I'm sure he's not listening, but a lot of uh, Stanford's race really hinges, I think, on him. If he can finish up there where close to where Grant Fisher was, Grant Fisher was 17th as a freshman last year. If uh, Ratcliffe can give them another third, a third guy in the top 20 or so, along with Fisher and McGordy, uh, Stanford could be on their way to their first title since 2004. What's also interesting to me, we mentioned the Jesse Squire data earlier. Well, in terms of winning the meet, since the NCAA has kept track of uh, whole data since 1997, this is the breakdown of the teams that have won the men's team title. Twelve of them were ranked number one going to the meet. Five of them were ranked number two. One was ranked number three, and one was ranked number four. No one outside of the top four in the pre-meet uh, coaches poll has won in, since 1997, and guess who's ranked number five? Syracuse. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that, that is why I'm so excited about this race. If you don't think Syracuse has a legitimate shot, you're crazy. They've got basically everybody back except for Marty Hare. Now, he was eighth last year. That's hard to replace, but, you know, their four and five are running better at this point in the season than they were last year, although I think their kind of max is right around 35 or 40 for them. But they're in the hunt, you know, and when we talked to the Syracuse coaches, they said to us, hey, our last three weeks have gone really well. But they themselves know this is wide open. You know, is it is 90 points going to win? Normally, if you're under 100, you almost always win. Although last year, Colorado didn't win, and they were under 100. You know, but if, if, when you get, if it ends up being because there's so many teams, you know, 120 might win it, then it, it's totally wide open. I mean, 
that's such a slow amount of points. I mean, we were talking about it. if he took the five or six teams, it just six top six teams, it just ran as a dual meet. You know, one of the coaches who's a contender said, "Hey, if my guys went five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, just with those six teams, that would be pretty good." Yeah. And how many points is that? Five, ten, fifteen, thirty-five. That's well, I'm asking, but it's close to hundred points, right? Yeah, not not quite that. But if you factor in all the other teams on the non-scoring teams, yeah, it's close to hundred. So. But, yeah, like you said, Robert, Syracuse, they're really rounding its shape. And 75 points. I just did it my math. 75. There we go. 75 will be enough to win today, today for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's really going to be good. Okay, let's go one by one of these teams. I mean, Stanford, they lost the Pac-12. It was close to Colorado. I mean, but no one thought Colorado even was going to win the Pac-12. 41 to 47. I think people, a lot of people, when you hear a lot of these coaches here, people are like, watch out for Stanford. I think they, the higher, they have a little higher upside with Fisher, you know, He's probably a little bit better than Zach Binsorel. Well, I wouldn't say he's better than Binsorel. I mean, Binsorel's already been twice top ten here. But Zach Parent, you know, Fisher could go higher. McGordy's got to be better, though. He was only seventh in pack 12s. That's not going to cut it. He needs to be top ten if Stanford's going to win this thing. But you talked about Thomas Radcliffe. I mean, this is a guy that didn't even run. He's the son of the agent Tom Radcliffe, for a friend of mine. He's going to go across country. And for him to win, people are thinking he's got to be top 25. And I was looking um, at four tracks predictions. They've got him 17th, which is where Fisher was last year, right? Why would he be as good as Fisher? I don't think that's the case. He may be more talented. I was having a discussion in the New York Marathon. Who would you rather sign if you're a pro, pro, pro company right now, Drew Hunter or Thomas Radcliffe? I said, well, Radcliffe may have more talent. We don't know that. He's so undertrained. But why he's so undertrained, why would he be as good as Grant Fisher? I don't think he's going to be as good. I think he definitely could be an All-American, but I'm thinking more closer to 30. I mean, he may be a total phenom. Maybe he's the next Jerry Lindgren. But even if it picks, I, I think top 15 is, is a stretch for him. And that's why I don't like Stanford as much, um, you know, as, as some of these other teams. NAU, to me, what scares me about them is this guy's just so inexperienced. John, pull up your preview. I mean, it's scary how few of those guys have run NCAA cross country. And I know they've been dominating these meets and running as a pack and being up front. But, yeah, well, let's go down to roster. you got Tyler Day, who's – Really, uh, he's a sophomore, and he only ran 9.28 in high school, but he's a sophomore, and he's, you know, he, he got 17th in Wisconsin. He's expected to get, you know, be All-American for them. He's never run NCAAs. Jody Beamish, he's a redshirt freshman. He's never run NCAAs. Peter Lamong, Lopez's brother, he's never run NCAAs. We don't know if all of these guys will run, but then you've got uh, Matt Baxter. He's a transfer from uh, New Zealand. He's never run NCAAs. He was their second guy at Wisconsin. You know, and then Corey Glines, he's, he was the number four guy. He was 197th in 2013. Andy Truro, 200th in 2013. These guys weren't running, you know, they, they were very, they were basically running as freshmen three years ago, and they were finishing way back. So, Putsum and uh, Nathan Weiss, re- really the only two guys with some big NCAA experience of this meet. And, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't matter, but you look at Syracuse, except for that number three, who is their most important guy, Elias Alwani. But except for him, they're pretty much all battle-tested at this meet. They've got four of their five scores coming back. You know, do you prefer a team like that versus NAU where you might have a higher upside, but you just don't know? Right, and the thing about, about Stanford is, I mean, this is the team that half of left run used to love to make fun of. All the talent in the world, and they would crumble at NCAs. They put it together at NCAs the last two years. And when you at the press conference, I mean, Chris Miltenberg is talking about team culture. He thinks cross-country is all about team culture. There's no way all seven guys can have a good meet. A great race today. But who, which guys care so much about their band of brothers that they're going to gut it out and have a good race? And 
he was talking about that, and he's been there five years. This is his first recruiting class that are seniors now, and he's been working on changing that culture. And, you know, and uh, McGordy, he hasn't had a great individual year, but he said this is by far the most fun he's had. Obviously, he's into the team and all these guys, and that's scary, and you've got probably Radcliffe. He's a little, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing as a freshman. There's a good vibe on this team. That's a little bit scary. I mean, Stanford now, they're not the Stanford team everyone likes to, like, make fun of. They look like they're putting the grindstone in and focusing, you know, on the stuff. So that makes them scary. Um, Syracuse, you know, they got four of the top five back from last year's title team. And the crazy thing is Colorado lost four of their five, and they're right there. Well, they lost four of that six. They had uh, oh. they had Dressel and Sorrell both in that scoring uh, scoring lineup last year. But from Pac-12s, I believe they had four of their five guys who scored a Pac-12s. And the first time since John McDonald was at Arkansas, we've got them. I mean, if you look at their top four, it's scary. When I was reading your preview, John, I was like, holy crap, Arkansas is my team. That's who I'm going to pick. But now I don't know who to pick. And then don't forget about Brigham Young either. Brigham Young beat Syracuse. They've already beaten Syracuse twice, twice this year. Yeah, and don't we don't want to hear people on the message board, don't tell me that Brigham Young is old. Most of those people have not been on the Mormon mission. The average age of the Brigham Young coach, I was talking to someone who knows, 21. So, hey, I mean, that's – what is that, six teams that we mentioned? Six teams that could win it. And as we said from Jesse Squires thing, only in the past, only the top – Teams ranked in the top four of ever won an NCAA meet uh, in this the, the era of the polls. So, you know, I, I really think any of those teams. You know, I think Brigham Young and Arkansas, just because I don't know if they have that really you know top ten guy on that team. Though Nico Montañez has been running very well for Brigham Young, but I don't know if they have that top ten guy that could really give them a, a, you know the benefit of only scoring about four runners instead of five. But those teams would need a couple of breaks. And I think Colorado as well. They they only go five deep. I mean, they're a very it's a very good five so far, but some of those guys also don't have experience. You know, Joe Klecker, if you look down their roster of the guys who've run NCAAs, it's John Dressel, it's Zach Perrin, and it's Ben Sorrell, and then no one else. So uh, they're a team that needs maybe catching a break or two, but they're all in there with the shell. Yep, and in the men's preview on Run.com, we did not make a pick. I think, John, we're going to have to put ourselves out on a limb and make a pick, and I don't know who to pick because – I mean, just logically it says, why would Colorado win? They lost four to six. I, I, but Wentmore's a genius, but I, I can't see it. Stanford, come on. They, they always choke it up at this meeting. That's what I used to think. But now, God, you hear the culture talk. You see Radcliffe's talent. But they didn't even win the Pac-12, so why would they win? Syracuse, I mean, I guess they lost the guy from the top ten. But to me, they're being discounted way too much. I mean, NAU, to me, they, they're inexperienced, but they've been running so well, which is a storybook become a nightmare. Since I was a doubter of Syracuse all along, they have a whiteboard. Apparently people have doubted them. Maybe I should pick them, but I don't really think that. Uh, who does the Let's Run Nation pick? Let's see, John. You come up, they John, played Northern Arizona, I believe. Uh, it, it, was, it, it wasn't dominant. I, you know what? It, I, to, I think Syracuse and NAU, I think that's my two teams that go one, two. I really don't know about the order. I, you know, I discounted NAU before the the Wisconsin meet. I didn't think they'd they'd done enough to earn that number one ranking, but they came out and rocked it. And if they run like that, I, I don't know. I'm going to say fairy tale ending. I'm, I'm picking NAU. They're going to take it for uh, Coach Eric Hines and put some Zion Selassie. Yeah, then let's run running warehouse prediction contest. You've got about 15 minutes if you want to get in. NAU is first. Colorado second. Stanford third. Syracuse fourth. BYU fifth. Arkansas sixth. Oregon seventh. By the way. While Oregon's won 
Trevor Tresdick's won every year at Oregon. The team has never won while he's been on the team across country. Iona, eight. Portland, nine. And Oklahoma State, ten. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess if, I, if if you're putting a gun to my head and i got to make a pick, I think I would say in a year, but Stanford really scares me because they're topside. But I just – is Radcliffe that good? Um, you know, being in upstate New York for 10 years, I'm going to pick – Syracuse, but I don't know if I really think they're going to do it. No, they're probably going to be mad you picking them. They love it when they people doubt them. Those guys have a huge ship of that shoulder. Actually, they lost a top ten guy. That's the problem is they're four and five. They had a perfect meet. I don't think they're going to do it either. Oh, maybe. Uh, you know, I shouldn't hate myself. I went to Princeton. Why do I hate on Stanford? So <laughs> I, maybe I should pick them. But, hey, orange and white is an Orioles fan. I'm going to Syracuse. We need to wrap it up, John. Fifteen minutes from the start. Any crazy thoughts, parting thoughts that you want to say? No, I think uh, we got to get out there, take out our spots, make sure we uh, can run back and forth. We got some, we got some running to do as well, Robert, to follow these races. I am excited. This is one of my favorite days of the entire year. Is yeah. NCAA cross country? One thing I'm noticing, and I can only see one flag, but it, well, that flag is going in a different direction. I now see another flag. So one thing is the wind had shifted and was going more right into the runners' faces. Because if you see that flag right by the finish line, it looks like that, but the other one doesn't. So. Looks like it's still a crosswind, but that's one thing to look at it into. Check the Let's Run message board thread. We'll be sending tweets. The Weldon will be embedding in there. Um, very exciting. I mean, no other sport is like this. Where the entire season comes down to under 30 minutes for the men. Under how long does the women's race take? About 20. 20. And every single team, the top 31 teams in the country, get to face off against each other at the same time. And no other sport will you get that. It's beautiful. The drama the unexplained, the mystery, what the hell is going to happen. Very exciting. So for Jonathan Galt, this is Robert Johnson. We want to thank you for listening. Make your picks. Enter the contest. I don't think I'm going to have time to enter the contest to show my pure brilliance, but uh, have fun out there uh, watching it, talking about it, being a fan. We appreciate your support. Thanks so much. Are you just going to hang up?